0: Our first lesson this evening is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We the Holy Gospel from St. Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. What can we be sure of? Listen to these words. When he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Suddenly, a voice from heaven came saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You may be seated. What can we be sure of? It wasn't that many years ago when people were describing our present age as the age of information. Computers first, then the internet, caused an explosion of information that we can share far and wide and deep as well. Fortunately, along with that great technology came the spread of disinformation, and so you might say we're now living in the disinformation age. Disinformation happens because people are disconnected from God and therefore disconnected from the truth. And An illustration of how serious and how uh, troubling that problem could be is found in a United Press story from some years ago about a hospital. This hospital had, as all hospitals do, a pretty serious fire suppression system But after 35 years doing a little bit of investigative work, they were shocked to find that this suppression system was not actually connected to the water main flowing from the city. They had gone that many years with a confidence in something that was not connected. In the baptism of Jesus, we see our connection to God and we see our confidence in what we can be sure of It's expressed especially in the words that we heard at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As Peter said in one of his first sermons, in one of his first discussions about all of this, he said, these are the things that we believe, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when Jesus was taken up from us. And really beginning this Sunday, we're going to continue working our way through these great uh, important works that Jesus went through in his life and to see how significant they are for us in our lives as well. First, we begin with the problem of disinformation and of false confidence. The devil, more than anything, wants to divert us from Jesus. Now, in the early first centuries of the church... When Christianity was a brand new thing, the world around it was pretty hostile to it and contentious and rejected the teachings of Jesus for the most part. But after 2,000 years, something has really changed. The world now always says it claims to be faithful to Christ, claims to be connected to Christ. Almost all religions now and all philosophies and worldviews now claim to be compatible to Jesus. But if you look at them closely, you can see that the compatibility there is only on the surface. It's like that unconnected fire suppression system in my earlier illustration. You go four feet down and you find that the pipes were never connected. But as we encounter Christ in His baptism, we see how we indeed are connected. And there are three ways that we see this. In the three different people that speak at Jesus' baptism, the first is John the Baptist, the second is Jesus Himself, and the third is God the Father. John, at first, tried to prevent this baptism from taking place. And it's understandable. John's confusion perhaps even John's fear here. John was the prophet called by God to prepare the way for Christ. And so he was preaching a baptism of repentance in the Judean wilderness. And people were flocking to hear him preach and to be baptized. He was indeed preparing the way for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew Jesus was holy, so it didn't make sense to him. Why would Jesus be baptized he says I need to be baptized by you the Bible stresses over and over again and this is one of the things that many in the world who say they're connected to Christ don't understand or reject or do not believe and that is Jesus really is the Holy One of God who never sinned remember at the Christmas account which we just talked about and I shared part of this in the Christmas Eve message That the angel told Mary, the one to be conceived in your womb is the Holy One of God. At one point in his ministry, when Jesus was arguing with his critics, he said, which of you convicts me of sin? Silence. No answer. No response. Jesus, and many, many other passages in the Bible, is always presented to us as one who is holy. And this was John's problem, and this is also our problem when we first encountered Jesus. John was a little scared, as were all people in their first encounters with Jesus. Remember the problems Peter felt when he realized Jesus was the Son of God and said, "...depart from me, for I am a sinner." Nicodemus, in his confusion, meeting with Jesus at night... Or the woman at the well, in her confusion, meeting a man who could explain every single thing about her life. It's healthy for us to think about Jesus being by our side at all times, listening into every one of our conversations, reading every email, watching television along with us. And yet that is a scary prospect, because He is holy and we are not. And that means we're vulnerable. That means... He, the Holy One of Israel, exposes us for what we really are. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of it this way. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is why in our first encounter with Christ, like John's, we have to confess our sins and that is why the prayer of confessing our sins on a daily basis, and especially in our worship services, services is so important. And not only that, but above all, also to hear the promises of forgiveness and absolution. Because it is sin within us and the sin of the world around us that is always destabilizing and disconnecting everything. Confidence begins by recognizing this problem as John did. The second person to speak at Jesus' baptism was Jesus himself. Permit it now, he said, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. What does it mean to fulfill all righteousness? Isaiah the prophet long ago told us about this. In his 53rd chapter, he said, my Righteous servant will justify many. A problem here is that in Hebrew, the word justify and righteous are the same word. But in English, we just don't have a word that we could use for righteous as a verb. For example, we say make righteous. But in the Bible, you might say. To coin our own English word for it, we might be able to say that God righteousizes us. That is to say, He justifies us. He makes us righteous. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. He was not being forgiven of His sins in His baptism because He had no sins. But stepping into that Jordan River was Jesus stepping into the law, stepping into the sins of this world, taking it all upon himself for this great exchange, his his righteousness in exchange for our sins. Let me illustrate it this way. There were two couples going out on a double date. They were having a great time at a party. One of the girls had some pretty severe allergies, and there were certain foods she was never to eat. However, she was having such a grand time at this party that she decided to cheat a little bit and ate some of the foods that she shouldn't have eaten. Her boyfriend noticed it and scolded her a little bit about it, but she said, don't worry, I didn't eat very much. So far, things were good. As the party concluded, no problems. But as they were driving home, these two couples, her symptoms struck with a vengeance. And in this case, the symptom was nausea. She kept thinking to herself, I can make it home. I can make it home. They were now only a block away. And she could not hold it back any longer. Her boyfriend was watching all of this uh, unfold before him and he knew what to do. He took the sleeve of his suit, and he opened it up, whereupon she emptied the contents of her stomach into his sleeve, and then he took a handkerchief and wiped off her face. The couple in the front seat knew nothing that had happened. He absorbed it all for her in his love for her. That is what Jesus is doing for us in our baptism. He is stepping into our sinful life. None of us would like for all the things we have done to be portrayed on a large video screen for the whole world to see. For Christ, indeed, the good news is He has taken them upon Himself for us. This is Jesus in His baptism fulfilling all righteousness, making us righteous. The third person to speak at the baptism of Jesus is God the Father, A lot of people, when we come to pastors, when we come to this great uh, passage of the Bible, like to speak about the Trinity. It is a great message, and I'll have to save it for another time. But here we have God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. One of the things we notice about Jesus in the New Testament is his extremely close relationship to his Father. The relationship between Jesus and his Father is like no other father and son relationship that there ever has been in this world. Jesus prayed to his Father. Jesus taught us to pray to his Father. Jesus' last words from the cross were to his Father. Jesus brings us to the Father. And in our baptisms, the words that that the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism become the same words that He speaks to us because we are connected to Christ by faith. We now are connected to God as well. And the words, this is my beloved Son, turn into, this is my beloved Son, or this is my beloved daughter. Just as the Trinity is a divine family, So we are welcomed into that family by faith. And we're not embarrassed and we're not ashamed. But we are now the objects of God's pleasure. Remember the very first Christmas carol. The one sung by the angels to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Or the words of Psalm 40, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. This is God's pleasure. His pleasure is to save us, to forgive us, to pick us up and clean us up and to take us to be with Him. So many things in this world we can't be sure of. So much disinformation. So much disconnectedness from God that leads to all falsehoods and troubles and difficulties. But tonight we can leave assured of two things. Jesus is God's beloved Son. We are God's beloved children in Him. Behold, John said, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Amen. Please write.